Welcome into episode 34 of the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs, joined today by Andrew Gribble, as I am for every episode. Special guest, the Z, stands for Zagura, joins us as well this week. And guys, uh, we'll kick things off uh, with a couple news and notes and, and get your thoughts on some of what the players and coaches have had to say over the last couple weeks. We'll start, Gribbs, with you. Takeaways from Kareem Hunt and his meeting with the media on Monday. Well, for me, it was a lot of the same of what I heard uh, with, with Nathan's great interview with Kareem Hunt uh, a couple weeks ago on, on CB. Nationally recognized interview with Kareem That's Hunt. right. Uh, you know, I, I think the big thing that's following Kareem Hunt these last couple of days is his talk about being a wide receiver. And I, I think that when, when you're talking about the Browns' options at third receiver, there's not a ton of guys with a lot of experience. And I, I, we don't know how much a third receiver is going to be used, but from what we saw from him last year, anytime he lined out wide, I, I, I liked getting the ball in his hands, especially close to the line of scrimmage and letting him uh, do the work with it. And I think we saw this a little bit with Duke Johnson back in his time with the Browns. And I, I don't know if I lo- I don't know if Duke thrived uh, when he lined up out, out wide as much as he did out of the backfield. So it's going to be a matter of how does Kareem adjust if he's lined up like a wide receiver? Because that, that can be a little bit more of a challenge uh, for the running back. Yeah, what I found interesting was it, and, and Cripps, thanks for the kind words about that, that uh, interview there oh, yeah. that went viral. But is that in that interview, when we asked them, you know, what did they think of you? Where, you know, he said, they see me as a running back, not as a gadget guy. And then it comes out, Chad O'Shea talks, you know, late last week and says, oh, he's been in the wide receiver meetings. And then you mentioned that was really a lot of the focus today was that he's been in the wide receiver meetings. I don't think Nick Chubb's in the wide receiver meetings. So they're trying to find ways, and it's smart, to get your best players on the field, right? And there are only so many carries and only so many snaps at running back, and Nick Chubb's great. Kareem is great, but you don't, you're probably not going to go 50-50. So how do we get, when he's not necessarily carrying the ball, get Kareem Hunt involved? And so you're right. You've got Odell, you've got Jarvis, you've got Hollywood Higgins. Then it's wide open. I mean, it is honestly wide open. I know Taewon Taylor was a former third-round pick, had nearly 500 yards two years ago with the Titans, but didn't play really for us last year, didn't catch a pass. And then it's a lot of young guys, Kaderil Hodge, Damian Radley, who's career high is 200 yards. So there is a lot of room for movement in that wide receiver room. And, and frankly, you're probably more dangerous with the things you can do with Kareem Hunt on the field in certain cases than some of those other guys. And the other thing is you're going to have a training camp if it happens on time, which we all certainly hope, and that's the plan with the NFL moving forward, where we're not sure if you're going to have Jarvis and Odell at the start of training camp. So who's lining up at wide receiver early in this camp that's going to be critical for Baker Mayfield in year number three. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a case of, again, getting your best players on the field, finding ways to get your best players on the field. And, and Kareem's open to anything. He's made it clear. Whatever it's going to take to win football games. And I think he had some strong points on Monday about watching his former team hoist the Lombardi trophy. And I think there's some extra and added motivation going into the season Z. Uh, No matter what, he's on board for whatever the Browns coaching staff wants him to do. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think one of the that's interesting is, you know, we brought in Andy Janovich. And so we saw last year, the Minnesota Vikings, they send their fullback CJ Ham to the Pro Bowl. We see what Kyle Juszczyk can do in this type of an offense as kind of that fullback, but who can also catch it and also run it in San Francisco for Kyle Shanahan. 
why can't Kareem Hunt do some of those things in certain looks? Because what that position is, it's lead blocking sometimes, which we've seen Kareem do very well. Sometimes you actually get the ball as a runner, but I would imagine we're a little more dangerous. Though Janovich would probably come back and say, hey, I'm averaging over 10 yards a catch for my career. But when you get those little leak outs off of that play action, they call them keepers, getting that ball to Kareem Hunt in space with one guy to beat or nobody beat, that's pretty enticing to me. And you might not know – Who's doing what in this offense? So I think the more ways you can use Kareem, the better. Yes, he is motivated. Look, there are a lot of reasons for Kareem Hunt to be motivated. This is a guy that had he not had setbacks would be entering free agency, uh, you know, shortly. He's a guy who would have been making, I think, a lot of money. You know, the leading rusher in the league is a rookie in 2017. And so with Kareem Hunt now, he knows he's got to be able to flash in limited, in limited action, right? It's Nick Chubb's backfield. Kareem Hunt is such a stud, but so is Nick Chubb. And so Kareem Hunt, it's likely, you know, you're not going to be able to keep Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in this backfield forever. So for Kareem, he wants to put out what he can do so that he can catch him because he is one of the 10 best running backs in the league. We just happen to have them both here in Cleveland. I was just like, can we steal that play that the Chiefs ran at First Energy Stadium with Kareem Hunt a couple years ago? You mean when he was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week the, and had like 800 pass. yards and three touchdowns? Oh, yeah. I yeah, remember that one well. If, he, if, if that's the only pass play the Browns do with Kareem Hunt, let's let it be that one. This, it's a good this one. Past year, just over and over again. I, I, I'll say all this talk about him as a wide receiver, though, I'm, I, I'm of the opinion I want to see him more as a, as a ball carrier. Yes. Ball. I, mean, I just think it was not utilized enough last year. And I, I liked I, – I just think – I'm saying both are good in the red zone. I, I just think that Kareem could be utilized there even more. Uh, I just think that there's there, there's something there that this was not tapped into during the second half of the season. And, and I, I just want to find a way to, to divide up the carries a little bit more than they were with both of them last year. I mean, we didn't even give Chubb the ball at the end of the year when we needed to. So saying he didn't get enough carries, yes. Totally. I agree. We're the only team in the NFL that has two running backs on the roster with 1,300-yard seasons under their belts, and we've got two of them who've done it in the last three years. We've got to find – that's, that's going to be the focus. But part of the thing that goes back to it, right, is last year you heard a lot of players after the season and even opposing defense talk. We didn't have an identity on offense. Guess what? We've got an identity now. We are going to be an outside zone team, a wide zone team, where you build the keepers and the boots and the play actions off of that. But that's going to be our staple. And there is more than enough to go around for these running backs as runners and as pass catchers because that is a bigger part of this offense than ours last year using the running backs, as Gribbs was talking about, in the screen game in a more traditional – way than perhaps we did a year ago yeah I, I think it's uh it's been interesting to hear some of these coaches and the players you know we, we've really over the last four or five weeks really gotten a little peek behind the curtain as to what's going on and how everybody's working in sync and uh going to miss hearing and seeing from these guys you know it, it's been it's been all virtual but you know, this is the last week of the virtual program, and then we're supposed to see him at training camp. We yep. just don't know what training camp is going to be. And Adam Schefter earlier on the day on Monday, uh, with this coming out with training camp scheduled to begin next month, the NFL is mandating each team develop an infectious disease emergency response plan that sets forth the team's protocols for containing an outbreak of the coronavirus, according to a memo sent to all teams. The memo mandates that teams divide their organizations into tiers that define what personnel can go and what they can do. And tier one would consist of players, coaches, trainers, physicians, 
necessary personnel who must have direct access to the players. Tier two, GM, football operations employees, other assistant coaches, video personnel, security, and other essential personnel who may need to be in close proximity to players and other tier one individuals who may need to access restricted areas. And, and tier three is operational personnel, in-house media and broadcast personnel, field manager, transportation providers, individuals who perform essential facility, stadium or event services, but do not require close contact with tier one officials. Gribble, what do you make of the tier program? Uh, already hearing some things that some teams are asking how we're going to go about doing that, how we're not going to go about doing certain things. Uh, but the team's going to have their hands full trying to figure this out over the next month as to who, which, who fits in which tier. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of egos are going to have to be checked at the door with this one. I mean, it's just you're going to have to be divided up and, and it's, it's going to be for the best of the organization. And I imagine your numbers are going to be limited uh, in each tier to whatever the doctors say is necessary. I'm more of the opinion, and this is me being just naive, I, I, I'm just more happy that there's a plan. Like, you're looking at, at, at like, college football going back, and it doesn't it's, – it's hard to implement a plan when you have 120 different plans going on in college football. I, I'm, I'm just encouraged that it looks like the NFL is using all of this time that has been gifted to them to get ready, that they're using it to come up with creative solutions. So I – we're not going to know how this works out until you get there. There's going to, there's going to be positive tests. I mean, as we've seen with college football going back, it's, it's just how you're going to have to handle them. And I, I think that this is another one of those plans put in place to just ensure that you can get to the season uh, without having an outbreak in your building. Yeah, and look, it's all about limiting access and exposure, right? Limiting the chances of spreading COVID-19. So tier one is is – small it is the team I mean general your general manager he's in tier two so listen anybody who's in tier three or, or those and then really the majority of the organization is going to be not tiered whatsoever and they're just not going to be allowed to be around so it's going to be a different way of doing things and running and certainly for our office you know where you could interact with the players or you could interact with the coaching staff as they would walk through all that's over with sharing the cafe that's over with how you're going to go into the building I'm sure they're going to have one entrance we're going to have another entrance. And I think a lot of the buildings just going to be walled off, basically. You're, this is where you are. We'll bring what you need here. But you're not going to interact and try to limit the exposure. So uh, I do like what Grib said, is th that they have a plan. They're trying to implement it. And I know J.C. Treader on the, the NFLPA side of it is going to be doing everything he can to make sure that the players are safe. But at the end of the day, that's it. And that's what it's about. It's about keeping the team safe so that they can handle their business and what we're going to learn more and more is, as you're seeing a lot of these tests at college that you brought up, Gribbs, is a lot of these guys have no symptoms. And so it's, it, this, this impacts people of different age groups very, very differently. And, and how does that get dealt with in the National Football League? And what are the protocols for a positive test? Is it a mandatory two weeks? These are all the things that are going to get ironed out, I think. And, and by the way, it, it's go time to get these things ironed out and agreed upon because we got a month until we're really supposed to be starting this stuff. Yeah the, yeah, the the tricky one that you can't even plan for in, at the college level is what happened at Kansas State. I mean, they tested all the guys, no positives. Guys hang out over the weekend. They go to a party. 14 guys come back with – I mean, it's just – they're college kids. It's what they're going to do. And, I mean, the NFL players are, are not going to just stay in the building all day. I mean, they're, they're going to have to leave the building at some point, uh, whether it's training camp or during the season. So, 
that's why the, the frequency of testing is going to be so Gee. important and just how quick you get those results. And, and hopefully the, the science catches up to a point where, where you're testing in a way that, that makes it quick and you're able to quickly diagnose what's going on and, and take the appropriate actions. Z, it, you know, we talk about them having a plan in place, the league having a plan in place and starting to put that plan in motion. But the NFLPA, you mentioned it with Treader and company, they still have to sign off on it. And so far, you know, the NFLPA hasn't exactly been jumping up and down saying, yeah, sure, let's go. We're ready to go. It's been a much more conservative approach and a, a very quick response to certain things that the league puts out saying, well, we really haven't signed off on that yet. Absolutely. And as I said, J.C. Treader is doing a great job representing the players. At, sure. the, at, at the end of the day, there are the, the vast majority of players in the National Football League need there to be games. And listen, their safety is paramount to that, but they are going to be – and they'll get to a point where, okay, here are the risks as we know them. If you don't want to participate, I imagine there might be some people who opt out just potentially like in, in the NBA, but – the vast majority of these guys are going to want to participate. I think the rosters are going to be bigger there. We've already seen people kind of talk about the exemptions for pandemics that are in the, in the collective bargaining agreement. So they are just trying to get it as this is not something that can be perfect. And I think if everybody understands that we're not going to have the perfect solution until there's vaccines. So can we put ourselves in the best position to succeed and the best positions for safety for the players, uh, et cetera. The one thing that I'm starting to feel significantly less confident about not that I ever was very confident as fans I mean if you think about it this is how a team is being structured an organization in terms of the tiers and who can be around who how can you have fans where they can be close enough to the players it, it seems very difficult to envision that or how that's going to go especially with what we've seen with some of the recent you know spikes etc but and the other thing is a lot of it's going to be on them as professionals to say it is more valuable to me for four months to lock it up and lock it down so that I don't test positive so that I can play and this league can perform than it is to go to a bar. I understand being 20. I understand being 21, 22. Your worldview is different. These are professionals. A lot of these guys are trying to put foot on their table for their children. Uh, and so it's going to take a lot of self-restraint. It's going to take everybody involved, their families as well everybody's going to have to kind of chip in to make this as successful as it can be. Yeah, definitely something worth monitoring as we continue to get closer to the start of training camp. Time now to have a little fun. The reason why we bring Zagura in, in the hopes yes. that he and Gribble will butt heads. Gribble <laughs> will send some nuke takes and everybody will be great and we'll be good to go. Uh, you, have a, you, you have a five on five team. That has to be comprised of Browns players. Only Browns. Only Browns. Yep. Okay. Um, he said flag football. Flag football. Very flag important. football. That is an important. Five players. You have to have a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver. But then you could have two wild cards. You could take two, any, any two players on the football team. Who are you taking on this football team? Gribs? We will start with you. I, I mean, we can obviously say we have quarter. We already have the quarterback. Am I correct? Everybody, we're on yep. board. Baker Mayfield, running back. Is anybody not taking Nick Chubb? 
Oh, flag football. You're not running running <laughs> yeah. plays. You need a guy who Kareem. can run. You need the better receiver. Kareem's the better receiver. Better route runner. That's what you're looking for. Gribbs? Yeah, I'm taking Kareem. It was no brainer. Yeah, I didn't have to think twice about that one. I'm the guy that thinks twice about that. All right, Gribbs, when's the last flag football game you attended? Uh, boy, I feel like I, I – maybe there was a certain someone that works for a radio station here in town. He and I went and catcalled a flag football game at Lakewood Stadium a couple of years ago. But uh, that was it, and I was probably not sober. High-level flag football is about speed mm-hmm. and just getting guys hands. in space and hands. Speed and hands, yeah. All right, so you're taking – so Nick Chubb hasn't been taken. Uh, Gribbs, who are you taking at wide receiver? I mean, I'm taking three wide receivers. So, I, I mean, I don't know what, uh, what, we're, what we're doing here. I mean, I, I – I'm taking, I mean, if I have to power rank them, if I only had to pick one wide receiver, I'm taking Odell. Uh, the combination of elusiveness. Okay, hands. so who, okay, you're taking Odell. Odell and Jarvis are locks. The first yeah, four locks. are locks. The fifth spot is, is, is a wild card, and I'm not going to be taking a receiver. Okay. I haven't quite settled in. I have three names that I'm kicking around. Go ahead, Gribbs. I'm sorry. I just ah. wanted to. All right. Both Nathan's, Nathan and I have flag football quarterback experience that's right i've since retired from that position and have merged same. into a like a, a tight end uh fullback hybrid you know for not same i just like straight H-back. up retired yeah uh Never retired the key when you're down on the goal line and you need to you need to find someone and know someone to get open a lot of it goes down to instincts and chemistry i'm putting richard higgins on this team with baker mayfield wow I think you need that reliable option, the guy you know who's going to make a move before he even makes it. I'm putting Rashard Higgins on this team. All right, so here are the three names that I'm kicking around, and I'm going to make my, my case for all three, and then I guess I'll make a final selection. First one's Denzel Ward. Fast. He can actually play defense. Somebody's you got to defend the other team when they get. I, the I ball. forgot about defense. <laughs> you can pick anybody. That's why I said you can pick anybody. Denzel can play D. He's incredibly fast. He's got great hands, and I feel like we could figure out uh, the route running. I, I, I'm not gonna. I believe Denzel Ward could master flag football route running in a very short period of time. Then I was thinking about Austin Hooper. Catches everything in flag football. You know when you've molded in that hybrid tight end roller, like when I had Murph on my squad near the goal line. You want that guy who can just get there, post up. You just throw it into him, and they catch it. You need a Jason Witten. So Austin Hooper, what had the highest catch rate in the NFL a year ago? I like that. I've already got speed with Kareem Hunt and explosive plays. Odell and Jarvis can catch everything. And now I have the bigger guy, which leads me to my third potential, which is Miles Garrett. Who's guarding Miles Garrett down near the goal line? Miles Garrett's throwing people away. He's jumping over them. He's a monster. Plus, it gives us a little bit of an intimidation factor if we haven't blitzed a quarterback one time. I would imagine that would make a quarterback very uncomfortable. So those are the three that I'm kicking around. I think between my three pure pass catchers, I have enough in terms of Hunt and Odell and Jarvis. So I'm going to take Austin Hooper. So that leaves me with Denzel, and it leaves me with Miles Garrett. And while I feel that Denzel might be the smarter play in the sense that I can stick him on somebody and be like, all right, you try to neutralize their best guy, I just think there's something about walking on the flag football field with Miles Garrett, and I think in the red zone he'd be an absolute monster. So I'm going to take Miles Garrett. See, there's a reason why I never even thought about defense. It's that – Defense is meaningless in flag football. It's the team that gets the ball last and scores. 
That's right. I mean, it just, it's, it's, that's, there's some for intimidation though. And, you can two force point conversions, two point right. conversions and three point conversions. That's all that matters. I wanted some size. I've only been a part of one flag football game where the winner had less than 40 points. <laughs> it is an offensive so, game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's but it's, to be fair, to go back to, I remember when our general manager, Andrew Barry would join our league. And when he was playing that single high safety and just run around, which where you could put Denzel in that can wreak a lot of havoc. Right. But All it takes is one turnover. One I'm turnover can be the difference. Football, okay. I'm assuming in this flag football league, the difference in pedigree and experience is not that big on the field as Andrew Berry on the same field as Nathan. Jamokes like us? I'm just uh, – Listen, I can sling it. Come on. So uh, the, there's not going to be the Andrew Berry fact, the factor uh, because everyone I'm assuming in this league is also going to be NFL players. So then, okay, so now we've gone through it. You're sticking with Hollywood Higgins over Austin Hooper? I need the chemistry. Baker and Austin have to, have to get on the field together a little bit more. For me, if I'm playing it right now. I'm not afraid of Austin Hooper's chemistry. I think Miles Garrett would just be a – Miles Garrett, in a, where he can just physically dominate people, is going to be a monster in the red zone. Uh, uh, yeah. It's... I'm taking Miles. Let's go. All right. All right. So my follow-up then – is taking a look at your five, how many of your five are in the top 10 players on this football team going into 2020, as in the most important 10 players on this Browns team entering the 2020 season? I definitely have four of them. I have four. So if you're counting Kareem, you're counting Kareem Hunt as one of the 10 yeah. most important players, then I have five. I don't know that I would count as one of the 10 most important players going into the season. Baker's numbers one through a million. So then we'll start with a million one. Odell, Jarvis, Miles. And this is not in any order, but I'm just trying to name them. Odell, Jarvis, Miles, uh, Denzel. Jedrick. Jedrick. Yeah, Austin, maybe. Austin Hooper. Maybe Hunt isn't in the top ten. Austin Hooper. I still think Sheldon Richardson or if Olivier Vernon, they would be in the yeah. discussion. Grant Delpit. Or Carl Joseph, one of the safeties. Somebody at linebacker needs to – I don't know if they're ten most important now, but on the field we need somebody to step up there. I mean, Kareem's awesome. I'm not worried about him, and I don't know if he's going to be in a top ten role per se. But we have a lot of, we have a lot of important people on this squad. That's why we have a lot of talent. That's why there's some excitement, some buzz. No love for the old lineman in this in – this, uh, But Tonio, Treader, they're all important. Conklin. What about Conklin? No, I'm talking Conklin? about for a flag football. We didn't even mention No, that. no. Absolutely. So, uh, not, not their game. Not but showed a little, little bit. Showed a I just little think when, I just think when Hollywood, when, and I love Hollywood, when he's matched up on Miles Garrett, that's going to be a big advantage for my squad. And I think Miles, Miles is a pretty supreme athlete as far as I've seen. I haven't seen any leads me to anything else. Come on. Come on. He's Miles Garrett. What can he do? You seen him on the basketball court? I would, I, would, I would use him exclusively as a pass rusher. Uh, I would put him, you know, the, the Miles Garrett of the Lakewood Flag Football League was one Rob McBurnett. Uh, and, and I would, I think he, Miles would, would give him a run, I think. And, could you imagine if you're trying to play court and that guy is running at you without blockers because he counted like 10 Mississippis? That's going to cause problems. That's going to cause problems. But that's the, that's the difference, though, in flag football. You don't have to touch anyone. You don't touch anyone. So I would say someone like an Odell is just as dangerous rushing the passer. 
Yeah, but it's fast. His, they can grab this, the flags. And this, he's doing this. Look, you can't even see right now. Look, there's nothing there. That's because that's Miles. You can't even see. That would be intimidating. I don't want to be chased. I feel much better about being chased around by Odell, knowing that they can't hit me, than I would by being chased around by Miles Garrett. All right. So I asked how many players in the top 10. Who are your top five most important players going into 2020? We can all agree Baker's number one. Baker. But who's after Baker Mayfield? Who's your top five? Gribble, we'll start, uh, we'll okay. start with you. Uh, I will go with Miles at number two. Same. I think we saw what happened to the defense when he was gone. It's, it was a completely different defense. He makes everyone on the field better uh, by being out there. Same. My, number, my number three, is in terms of importance, just because I think it's just such an important position and there's a lot of questions with it, I, I think I'm putting Jedrick Wills number three. He's playing left tackle for you. It's a new position. Uh, it's Baker's blind side. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, and a lot of our optimism on the offensive line stems from Jedrick stepping in and playing the position like we think he can. So I think that was one of the most, if not the most important move you made this entire offseason. So that he would be my number three. And then I think, whew, I'm going to go with probably Nick Chubb at number four. So I had a tough time thinking about Nick Chubb just in my head while you were doing this, going through my own list, is because Nick Chubb is so important. He's going to be the focus of what we do on offense. But at the same time, if you were to lose Nick Chubb, you, there's no better backup that you could possibly have than Kareem Hunt. So, like, this offense could be a juggernaut sans Nick Chubb, even though Nick Chubb is pure greatness. Well, that, and that's why I want to, like, I'd like to include, like, if we're talking about importance and in terms of how you need him to step, I mean, like, you have to start talking about someone like Mac Wilson in, the, in this top part of the, the list. I mean, you need a linebacker to really emerge, and he seems like the, the best one to, to really emerge. But I lump Jarvis and Odell together. They might be my number five. I mean, they're your tandem. Yeah. They're, you, you saw, like, the Vikings last year, that's when they were at their best is when both their guys were functioning. And I think we saw it last year. If, if both of them are healthy and able to produce in a system that brings the best out of them, I think that is part of your identity offensively. So, yeah, by that means I'm, I'm in, I might have to bump Nick Chubb out of my top five out of that argument and have two defensive guys in there with Miles and Mac Wilson uh, and then Jarvis Odell and Baker. I like I like that. I think Jedrick's in there. I'll instead of Mac, I'm going to go with Grant Delpit just because I think if we can get a playmaker, I feel pretty good about our corners. If we can get a, that playmaker at safety that he showed, you know, in 2018 at LSU, I think he changes our defense completely, completely. Sacks, interceptions, tackles for loss, pass breakups, can cover anybody on the field. He has a chance to be. I think he's one of the most important pieces. He, him hitting all of a sudden we could have a, a really good defense. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. And Carl Joseph, too. I think you need one of those two guys to be the stud that they were projected to be. And Carl Joseph, by the way, played great the last two years before injuries have hurt him in Oakland. Uh, and then Delpit, as we know, has got all the talent in the world. It's really all about Baker, though. I mean, there's if Baker. If, if Baker is good this year, we're going to be really good. And I think he will be. The prognosticators would tend to agree. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. Training camp uh, about a month and change away. Knock on wood. 
Uh, that's going to wrap up episode number 33 of the BPA. Special thanks to Nathan Zagura for his time. Jeff McDaniel back from vacation. Appreciate his time. As always, we are back with you on Thursday. Our Meet the Assistant Coaches segments continue. Zagura will be back next week uh, as we wrap up the virtual offseason. We'll come up with some virtual offseason awards. So we'll have a little fun with that. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. You can also watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.